Today's podcast is sponsored by Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast. Anchor will also distribute your podcast for you, so you can be heard on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and many more, and you can make money from your podcasts. It's everything you need to do to make a podcast in one place. So if you're interested, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hey, everybody. It's Mark P. Fisher with Inspiring Growth, where we inspire growth with leaders and their organizations. Hey, there's something I'd like you to know before you listen to this inspiring interview. There's some technical issues, and it's all on me. It's not my editing or production team. I just didn't set the microphones up right. So if you'll bear with me a little bit through the interview, that would be much appreciated. So I hope you enjoy the ride of the homie no cash on Inspiring Growth. This is Inspiring Growth with Mark Fisher, and in the studios today is No Cash. What's up, No Cash? Hello, everybody out there in Mark Fisher's world. It's the homie, No Cash. Yep, the one and only. If there's another, he's the phony because you already know me, and if you don't, we're about to get acquainted. All right, right on. So, No Cash, how did you get that name, No Cash? Some years back when I was in the streets doing what I do, my name was Saga Cash. Saga meant a colorful and adventurous journey. I was always fascinated with that when I see it on TV. I say the saga continues. And you say the streets. Where were you living? Florence, South Carolina. Okay. Saga Cash. And so I, I changed my name to Saga. And then from Saga, it was Saga Cash because my colorful and adventurous journey was to get the cash. Mm-hmm. So I, I made it Saga Cash. And then I lived the life before prison as Saga Cash. When I got locked up and went to prison, I lost everything. Mm-hmm. Didn't have any more cash, didn't have any more friends and stuff like that. You know, everybody kind of disperse and go their own way. So when I came home, everybody quickly reminded me that you're not saga. You're not the same guy anymore. You don't have money. You don't have this. And it was trying to make me value the money. Like, you need money. You, you need to start hustling again so you can have the image that you had before. And I'm like, nah, I don't see me having to hustle again to create an image for me to be an artist. I think that my talent should be able to speak for me more so than the money. So because people kept reminding me that I'm not Saga Cash anymore, I just came up with the idea to change the name from Saga Cash to N-O Cash because I had none. And I wanted to show them that what they thought they can do with their money and what I knew I could do with my talent and my gift without money, I think I could have got a little further than them because I feel like hard work beats talent, Mm -hmm. but that's only when talent don't work hard. Well, talk about prison. What landed you there? All my life, I never really learned a trade. I never really worked on a job. I just learned the trade of hustling, selling drugs. It's sad to say. I sold cocaine, and then I got caught for selling cocaine. And they gave me a five-year bid in prison that I did three and a half years off of. What did you learn in prison? Nothing that the prison taught me. Let me put it like that. But I've learned a lot through experience in prison. You know, I learned one thing is, you know, how to mind your own business and take care of yourself. Mm. That's the main thing you learn in prison. Because if you don't learn that, you become lunch meat real fast. Mm. So I learned that. I learned to be a people's person and embrace people from all walks of life. Mm. You know, I say that because, you know, when I was back there writing my music, I was writing alternative rock music. And so who would I have to let listen to my alternative rock music? I would let the white guys hear my alternative rock music. Okay. (laughs) Okay. And then when I'm writing my raps in prison, who you think I have to go let hear hear the raps? 
the gangster boys because okay. they rapping the right. gangs and, and so and then when i'm singing my gospel music because i'm on the choir at church who do i have to be around right. the christian people sure. and then when i i did things like i went to the mosque with the muslims not because i was muslim but because i wanted to embrace their community and to see if their community would embrace me too mm. so i i mingled with everybody in prison and people never saw that in prison everybody just kind of like be with they choose something if they're in church they go to church if you're in the gang, you with the bloods, you don't mix with the Crips. I was with everybody, every sect, even the Wiccans. They say they was devil worshipers. I want to see what y'all talking about and, and, and embrace y'all too. I'm not going to listen to what people are telling me about y'all. So I was kind of like a, a different kind of dude. Sounds like you're curious. A seeker. Yeah. A knowledge seeker. All right. And I'm not all about blocking people off. I, I don't claim to be a part of nothing. So it's easier for me to embrace people. I see that most people who are a part of something, no matter what it is, they resist other things. So talk about your YouTube channel, because that really is the thing that sort of helped you. Catapulted me. It catapulted you, but you had a unique, the first YouTube video I saw of you, No Cash, you were on a street corner with a sign that was sing for cash. Sing for food. That's what it was. And the reason I said sing for food, because I wanted people to understand that a lot of times we place our focuses on cash too much. So I could have easily put we'll sing for money on my sign. Yeah. Right. And people are used to giving people money. But I said food because I want people to realize that money is not what we always need. We need the basic necessities of life, which is food, clothing and shelter. So I put food on there to make people see that I'm not out here trying to hustle anybody. Okay. And what, what motivated you to, to create this RCD for people? What was it that was going on with you? Nope. This was after prison when I became the no cash guy with the clothes and the sign that you're talking about. So you pretty much were homeless mm -hmm. and you're looking for food mm -hmm. and you have a talent to sing mm -hmm. and you spent three years testing all these different tunes. And then all of a sudden you go out on the street and you say, all right, I'm going to hustle. I'm going to try to make a living. I'm going to make something good out of what was bad. Absolutely. And here's what gave helped me with that idea. I can't lie to you and act like it was a divine idea and I just had it all figured out, right? Through adversity. Like how your hardships teaches you more than your, your good times any day, right? Being broke. I, I've had money. I've had over $100,000 before, like selling drugs and stuff. And I was living the what I call the high life, all the name brand clothes and stuff like that. But when you hit rock bottom, very few people can can come back. Prison was my rock bottom. I lost everything in prison. I paid all of my money to lawyer and court fees that I had. Everything that was left took care, helped took care of me and my kids while I was in prison. And then that ran out. And so I really hit rock bottom. When I came home, people constantly reminded me that I was at rock bottom. They said, you're not soccer cash anymore. You, know, you ain't got no cash. So when you went on the street, well, talk about that. Talk about how you ended up on the street. While I was away doing my prison bid. Right. This is I feel like God's way of kind of like punishing me while I punish myself. But my grandmother and my grandfather died while I was in prison. Mm -hmm. I sent myself to prison. I don't hold no, I don't hold nobody else accountable for that. Right. But when I went away to prison, I lost two of the most specialist people in my life. I, I didn't get a chance to go to their funeral. I didn't have a proper closure with them or anything except for my grandmama came to see me one time. They let her roll in on, on her deathbed. And, she, and I saw her one time. And after that. I was very skeptical about how I was going to be able to survive on the streets because for the first time when I'm released back out into society, the two people who raised me my whole life is not going to be there. You're alone. Absolutely. So when I came home, 
I faced that reality. And instead of just letting it take me down, I used my character and my personality. And I had different friends, like girls that I could couch surf with. And a few of them told me, hey, you can come stay over here until the time being or whatever. And so I found myself couch searching for a while. And then one of the girls just allowed me to stay with her for like almost a year or whatever from being out. So in your mind, you don't view yourself as homeless because you're sheltered. But then I came to realization that I'm really homeless and I shouldn't be embarrassed about it. I can kind of take this adversity and I can take the lemons that life has given me and kind of make some lemonade that could kind of show other people how to deal with their negatives in life. So having those thoughts, I didn't know how to go about doing it, but I would go use my personality and my talents in a local restaurants and stuff like that, like Wendy's. And I would go in there and sing to the managers or whoever's at the cash register or talk to them and see whether I can use what I got to get what I need, which was something to eat. One day I was in Wendy's and I sung for the lady and I think I sung um, Rascal Flatts Riot. And so I went in talking to her and this guy was in the, he was ordering his food. So I, I said, I'll be riding in a cab going downtown, finding faces I know in a big crowd, trying to drink the pain away. And she said, oh, she went and got a bag full of food. And she said, here, man, you, you take that. You did a great job. And so I walked out the door with the bag of food and the guy walked out behind. Me. And he was like, brother, he was like, dude, you are very talented, man. He was like, man, I shoot videos for people every week. They pay me anywhere from $800 to $1,500. I was like, brother, I ain't got no money to give you. I was like, but I appreciate the compliment. He said, no, I don't want no money from you, man. He said, I wish I could put my cameras on you. I'm shooting these videos for these guys for this money that ain't going to go nowhere because they don't have the talent that you have. I was like, well, that sounds very good, brother, but I ain't got the money that they have. So he was like, you don't need the money. Just let me shoot you. I have what I call a YouTube channel. I didn't know anything about YouTube at the time when I left the streets. It was all about MySpace. I had a MySpace page. And so he just explained to me what viral was, how he had a YouTube channel at the time with about 9,000 subscribers and that he would love to put his cameras on me. He said, if we went viral, then he would start me my own YouTube channel and that possibly changed my life. I'm sitting here not knowing nothing about YouTube, viral, none of that, but I hear this could change your life and it won't cost you a thing. So, hey, let's make let's let's try to make this happen, brother. Gave him my number. He reached out to me one day and came to see me when I was visiting my mom. This day, I forgot what happened. And something happened to where my mom did something very embarrassing to me in front of him. And it was like showing him that I was going through a struggle, that I didn't have a place to go. And it brought me to tears right in front of his face. Right. He was like, well, see, man, that's the stuff right there that goes viral. I'm like, what? He was like, the truth. He was like, why don't we just start you a channel about you being truthful. You don't have clothes to change. So that's going to be difficult for us to kind of start your YouTube channel and you don't have a ch proper change of clothes every day. So we just put you on the same clothes and tell the whole world that you are homeless. And I'm like, nah, I don't like that idea. Right. So we talked a little more. He convinced me to like, look, man, realness is everything. And aren't you really homeless? I was like, yeah. He's like, well, let's don't hide behind that. Is like, if we put that out to the people, your talent going to shine through a little more. And I was like, okay, he might be got a good idea, but I still didn't want to put myself out there like that. Isn't it amazing when someone believes in you? And when they believe in 
you enough to convince you to do yeah, something. You get over your own self. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yes. So I shared with him that I had dreams when I was in prison, not just one or two, but dreams. I, I found myself after my grandmom didn't pass, I would wake up out of my sleep and I would envision myself with a sign on that said, we'll sing for food. Mm-hmm. And when I shared that with him, he said, well, that's what we're going to do. When I met you, he was in Wendy's singing for food. He was like, so we're just going to put you on some raggedy clothes and you can wear them every video. We don't care about the clothes. We're going to put that sign on you that says we'll sing for food. And brother, you're just going to go out there and do what I saw you doing. And what cities was this? Florence, South Carolina. All right. And so the first, once he convinced me that this was the thing to do and that we could go viral and it can change my life. I'm like, okay, cool. How do we do it? Let's get the clothes first. Let's make the sign. He said, I'm going to just take you to McDonald's and we're going to, you're going to go in and just going to try to sing for a Big Mac. We're not even going to make it script out. You don't got to do nothing right or wrong. She don't have to give you the Big Mac. Whatever happens, I'm going to capture it and we'll see what happens. The first video we shot was Homeless Man Sings for a Big Mac inside of McDonald's. And right now that has over 6 million views. <laughs> I sung a Big Mac song that I was working on in prison for McDonald's. It's a it's a jingle that I was trying to put together for McDonald's and it and it went like um Six million views watching you sing that. I remember when I was a kid, we used to call people up, you know, just do pranks. And we say, if you can say what's in a Big Mac within six seconds, you'll win $100. And people would be like, what, what, what? And I was like, call me fresh, 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 cheese, pickles, onions, and sesame seeds. Oh, I got it. Where's my money? Show me I got money. No money. <laughs> the coolest teenager. <laughs> so no cash. Somebody believed in you. You were at the bottom. And then all of a sudden, you had a channel. Well, right now, I want to explain to you and people what happened with this channel, because a lot of my for the first time, this is an exclusive interview I'm doing with you, too, by the way. I've never, you know, put out as vivid as I'm going to tell it today. Okay, here's what happened. People is looking at it like, okay, why do we have them three bags of Doritos in his hand on every video? Why is he? got on the same why is he looking like he's in the same area in all of his videos they, they thought it was like a trick or something but here's what happened the first video we shot was inside of a mcdonald's homeless man sings for a big mac all right when that began to take off he as a videographer knew man we need some more videos because man you you had over a hundred thousand it was moving faster than any video on his youtube channel mm. so he got with me and, well, no, he left me stinking because he was going to school in Atlanta for a little while. And so I took it upon myself to try to shoot a video with somebody recording me. So the next video was Homeless Man Sings Drake. His version of Drake's started from the bottom better than Drake. All right. I went into a back of an abandoned home and got inside of a, a cardboard box. And what my vision for the channel was is to show people their own perception. Meaning when I put this sign on that says we'll sing for food and they see these raggedy clothes, instantly they're going to draw an assumption about me because of my appearance. 
And that perception that they draw is going to hinder them or help them to help me or to not help me. And that's with any homeless person. Mm -hmm. And once I noticed that, I noticed that my channel should be about perception so that I can show people that your perception says, it says nothing about the thing that you're perceiving about and all about you. Mm -hmm. And once I noticed that by doing this no cash character, I was like, you know, we own this something here. This is more special than just singing for people out in public. Mm -hmm. I would witness people shun me and treat me bad and run me off when they see my appearance in the sign. But then after I start singing for some people that engage me, those same people will stop, turn around and come back and be an audience now. And when I saw that, I'm like, whoa, they're judging me by what I got on. And then I realized that most people do this all the time. We judge everybody by what they got. We think a person with a suit and tie that comes up rep well represented and shake your hand is a pretty cool guy when you setting yourself up for that. Because a wise man told me, a very rich heart can be up under a poor coat. Mm. And a lot of times we judge people by appearance. Yeah. And I just wanted to take the opportunity of my channel to show people that your perception of a person, place, or thing says nothing about the person, place, or thing and all about you. Boy, it's like holding up a mirror, looking in a mirror rather than looking at no cash. I've had people treat me badly and say, get on around here, boy, or get on around, around, around whatever, like that. And then when I go, two, three steps down and start singing and draw a crowd, those same people is looking and wondering. And they might walk down too and they're smiling. But this is the same guy you just ran off. And I'll constantly remind them that. I don't feel bad about it because I understand why people do it. It's perception. And I feel like my channel, I'm going to use my channel to play with people's perception to make them get it right. What are the questions that people ask you as a result of your channel? What are the things people are interested in about you and about your story? They'd be like, oh, okay, are you really homeless? Mm. Right. And the reason they ask this question is because they see in the same clothes with the sign and they're thinking it's like a gimmick, right? Well, the clothes were fabricated. The sign technically wasn't fabricated, but that image was not me. I was not roaming the streets begging people for money. I used this as a social experiment to teach people about their own perception because homelessness is a very big problem in America and it shouldn't be. We have so many rich people here. We have so many vacant buildings here. We have so many churches here. There, there can be a plan put together that where's the week we did, we don't have homeless people, right? right. The reason that's not happening is because of the perception of the people. So what do you say to folks when they ask you, are you really homeless? I tell them that I am homeless. Mm -hmm. Now, I also tell them that you can't look at homelessness and tell that people are homeless. And that's why I put those clothes on. Mm -hmm. And that's why I have that sign on. It's not to trick you. Mm -hmm. It's to make you check yourself. Because you might run into somebody that's dressed very well today. And you don't know that they're homeless. Mm -hmm. You see what I'm saying? Or you might run into somebody who's dressed very bad today. And they might got a million dollars in the bank. So what are the songs that people really like to hear you sing on the street? Any song that I can do just as good as the artist himself. That's what I noticed. And that's why I began to sing other people's songs versus my own. Because if they hear my song, first of all, they never heard it before. Second of all, they have nothing to compare it to. Hits. I try to go get the what, hits. What are some of the hits? Uh, all of Me by John Legend. What would I do without your smart mouth? 
drawing me in and you kicking me out. Got my head spinning. No kidding. I can't pin you down. What's going on in that beautiful mind? I'm on your magical mystery ride. And I'm so dizzy. Don't know what hit you, but I'll be all But I'm breathing fine You're crazy and I'm out of my mind Cause all of me loves all of you Love your curves and all your edges All your perfect imperfection Give your all to me I'll give my all you. You're my end and my beginning. Even when I lose, I'm winning. Cause I give you all of me. Hold up, hold up. And you give me all Got goosebumps. Oh man, can it come on? <laughs> Thanks, man. Seriously, that was really it. encouraging. Thanks, man. Really good. So, people tune into your channel. You've got 180,000 subscribers. People are watching you, but they're, they're also kind of tuning in and saying, I want to be a part of you and part of your journey and, and be a blessing to you and be a help to you. Well, I think it's who are those people and what what what's the story there? Those are my beautiful cashiers and cashiers, man. What I oh, 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 hold on. You 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 call them your cashiers. I call them my cashiers and my cashiers. Absolutely. All right, talk about that. Well, my name became no cash, which was in no cash because I came out of prison with no cash, and people constantly reminded me that, right? And so when I build the platform on YouTube as in no cash, I began to see that my audience was growing, my subscriber was growing, my viewership was growing. But I love the name no cash, right. by the way. I didn't care whether it was in no cash, I don't care whether it was K N O W cash. I just like the name no cash because it makes you an underdog off the top. And then you have to build yourself to people. People don't aren't, aren't attracted to no cash. Mm -hmm. They want to overlook no cash. They want some cash. And so, I love I love you. You've lived out of your car, but on the side of the car it says. Well, before we even get there, see, I haven't had the car. I was struggling as no cash without a car and nothing before the car came. The car came through one of my cashiers. All right, talk about your cashiers. Well, here's what happens: people begin to grow to my channel because they see my voice. But then what they began to see was that my channel, unlike most YouTube channels, was a reality, realistic channel. Like I was the only person on here showing my flaws, saying, I'm homeless. I ain't got no money, but I can sing. So people was like, yo, it was it was drawn to the realness of it. But then they would be skeptical, like, is he really homeless? Why he got on the same clothes? Or oh, his shirt is too white, uh, too clean. His teeth are too clean. They said some of the some of the craziest stuff to make them question whether I was homeless or not, right? And which was good because I want to use my channel to show people their own perception. I'm homeless and I know it. I'm not trying to prove to the world that I'm homeless. I'm trying to prove to the world how they view the homeless. All right. So then they started 
doing something and you call them cashiers. They started to send me emails. They started to find me on my social media. I have my numbers out there in certain places that I'm not going to say here, but if you are a diehard fan, you find it and you call me, oh, it's really you. And so they begin to see that this guy is really real. And some of my cashiers, when they would reach out to me on email or other places, I would give them personal contact with me. Like, mm-hmm. here's my number, or you can, you can email me at this. And so when they begin to reach me, we build a relationship with each other and they need, this is real. He needs help. So whatever they could do, if it's send me money to Walmart, if it's cash out me money, or if it's PayPal me money, they would help me with whatever little that they had. Mm. And so I began to see that I don't need a record deal. I don't need to be famous. I just need to feed my cashiers what they want from me. And hopefully they reciprocate something back because I'm nothing without them. Mm. You know, it's interesting. Uh, there was a Baylor study recently that discovered that most people do not become homeless because they run out of money, although that is part of the reason. Mm-hmm. It's because they run out of relationships. Absolutely. And what you have found is you had relationships with people. You're being real. You're being honest. They began. I was building relationships with people who didn't even technically know me as I was a stranger to them in the flesh. Mm-hmm. But what I begin to find out is that we were all kindred spirits. Mm-hmm. They were my kin in spirit mm. because we resonated from afar. Mm. They didn't even really technically know me, but they did know me because the personality that I'm putting out on YouTube is me right. behind the dress, behind the hair, behind the sign. I'm really me. It's just really me. So talk about the car, this, this car that you now have. After about three or four years of me having the YouTube channel, YouTube had taken me all over the world to different strangers in the flesh, home, but they were my kindred spirits, right? They would invite me in, tell me I could stay for a certain amount of time, try to help me do stuff like go to nightclubs, do gigs, hit the streets, do stuff, just make some noise in different states. That happened when I went to North Carolina, I went to Maryland, I went to Las Vegas, different places. And so after that, I came back home to Florence, South Carolina, and I began looking for someone who was, or people who was as passionate about homelessness as I was, because by now I'm not just trying to be famous. I'm trying to aid and assist the homeless at the same time, helping myself. Mm-hmm. And so I couldn't find anyone. But one day I went in the store and looked on the newspaper and I saw this guy named Brian Braddock. He was in the paper for aiding and assisting the homeless in my local area and doing some great things in the homeless community. So I was like, this must be a good guy. Let me Google him. I went outside, Googled his name, Google led me to him. And to make a long story short, he was reading the same kind of different as me, the book by Mr. Ron Hall. And so he shared that with me and he said, um, he invited me to breakfast. And so when we got to breakfast, he said, you know why I invited you to breakfast? I was like, no, I don't know why. He was like, well, normally, Nine times out of 10, anytime I get an email like the one you sent me, I would always send the person straight down to the office. To, to He's the executive director of a homeless ministry. He said, I'd send them down to my office and get them all checked out, you know, see what we can do for them on the office still. Mm-hmm. He was like, but I was reading a book called Same Kind of Different as Me, where the guy named Ron Hall, I said, I saw that movie. He was like, yeah, man. He was like, the book is so inspirational. He was like, the book is way more vivid than the movie, but it inspired me to invite you out for breakfast. He's like, so we're here, man, and I don't have no money to help you. I don't really. He said, I just have resources and I'd be willing to open them up to you if you just help me get a better understanding of homelessness. I was like, cool. I did my best to do that. But what I noticed with him is that 
he didn't understand homelessness because he never experienced homelessness. He didn't know what it was like to even miss a meal. So I was like, look, I understand it because I went through it. You don't because you didn't. It's just that simple. So he went home praying to God and come up with this divine idea that he wanted to go homeless for a week. And he wanted me to join him hmm. to get a better perception of homelessness. And at first I was like, this man is trying to get me to go lower in homelessness because there's different levels to homelessness. He's trying to get me to drop lower than the homelessness that I'm already in for him to get a better perception. And I was like, there again, nah, I don't know whether I'm going to do this one. But I had this thing in prison I came up with and I, and I call it when my grandmother and my grandfather passed, I came up with something called honoring my mom and my pop. And to me, what mom and pop meant was morals over money, purpose over paper. And when I reflect back on that with him asking me this question, I was like, how, mo how much morality is in, in, is in this? How much of purpose would this cause if I just went homeless with this man? And so I didn't even think about it. I was like, brother, sign me up. Right, in. I'm in it. And so after us getting to know each other, going homeless for a week, in the process of that, he came up with a divine idea. Let's pay Mr. Ron to come speak at this homeless event that I got going on. Wouldn't that be just great? I mean, his book brought us together and, you know, wouldn't that be great if we could get him to speak? I say, man, that would be wonderful. I think you shouldn't stop till you get it done. And he didn't stop till he got it done. So he hired Ron to come through and speak. They had a special private dinner for him with some of the big wigs in the area, the mayor, the chief of police, chief of firemen, the city county councilman, you know, all of them people. And I was invited and I was told to sit back here don't say much. Don't record nothing. And Ron Hall and his wife, Mrs. Elizabeth Hall, talked to me more than anybody at the table. So they kind of was getting me in trouble indirectly. But it was a cool thing because it broke the ice. And after the dinner, I asked Mr. Ron, would he be my mentor? And, okay, you was asking about my car. I want to get to that. Right after that dinner with Ron and him becoming my mentor, Brian embraced me in his community. He began to take me to church with him. He began to take, began to take me places with him and his friends. And so his community embraced me. And one of the local people from his church, her name is Sandra King, and I forget her husband's name, but the Kings, they thought it was a great idea to give me one of the cars that was given to them by, I think it was Mr. King's mother. She had passed. And they just wanted to be a blessing to somebody. And they was like, we're going to give it to no cash. Mm. And I was like, wow. They surprised me one day. Um, made me meet with them at um, Brian's friend, Brett Butler's office. Trying to act like they was doing something. It's like they did put together a little trick and then say, well, hey, you're going to drive yourself home in your new car. Wow. And I'm like, wow, man, this is crazy. That video is on my YouTube channel as well. So people began to just contribute to my movement because they saw somebody that had big dreams, had a lot of talent, but very little support to get what I needed done. And so people from afar began to help me before people around me. But the people from afar inspired the people around me to say, well, he must have something if these people is sending him and supporting him. So gradually, little by little, my local community, because of Ryan, begin to try to embrace me well one thing led to another that i was living in a shelter and the shelter put me out for whatever reason they still got people staying there now who's 10 and 11 months over their time but 
I was two months over my time and I had to go. And so um, I called my mentor, Mr. Ron, and I told him what was going on and that I was sleeping out of the car that someone had been giving me. And my mom had allowed me to stay on her couch for a, a borrowed amount of time. And so I was going through something. He said, well, why don't I can't let you do that, man. Why don't you just come here? And I said, that would be great. Just let me spend Christmas with my kids. I'll tough it out in my car for the next two or three weeks so I can spend Christmas with them. And I think that would be a great idea. And we're here today. So you got in the car from Florence, South Carolina, drove it to Dallas, Texas. Absolutely. And we're actually in Ron Hall's uh, dining room right now having this conversation. Which is actually my new home. What's your dreams, No Cash, on the music front and on the, on the homeless awareness? My dreams are to make an honest living off of my talents and my gifts, the things that I'm purposeful about. I don't have to be a millionaire. I just need to be able to suffice and take care of myself off of what I love to do. That's my dream. Now, whatever else will be extra. I want to aid and assist the homeless, not because I have anything, because even right now, life is still a struggle for me. Of course, you know, I'm trying to deal with life as a homeless man, but then I'm also trying to take on a, a career, a, a music career, and that's double. But I felt like me coming out of homelessness and turning a deep ear to what goes on in homelessness, you have to have, you have to be a harsh person. So if I was going to get out of it and become a heroic story, then why not put homelessness on my back and let that reflect them as well? Bring attention and, 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 and assistance to them. Yeah. And I decided to do that, man. And, and I'm glad I did to this day. I haven't made it to where as though I'm getting money or nothing, but everything that I do reflects homelessness. Yeah. Now, didn't you have a film crew follow you? Yes, or the when me and Brian went homeless for a week, it was called the Unsheltered with No Cash Experience because he wanted me out there for protection with him. Yeah. He wanted me out there because he he knew I understood the streets. Yeah, so it's like, man, I could not do this by myself. My wife won't even let me do it without you. So please, you know, be all right with it. And I, once I saw how serious he was about it, I said, you know, this is very purposeful. Mm -hmm. And I say I'm, I'm about purpose over money any day. It wasn't even for money. He didn't even offer me any money. He was just like, come be homeless for me, right? And so once I agreed, he took it upon himself to say, okay, now if we're going to go do this, I need a, a crew to document this and we need to do it right. Mm -hmm. So he went to his people on the board and raised a certain amount of money to pay a crew to follow us. They offered me some money that I didn't even agree to do it for money, but they gave me some money and bought me a camera. They made the movie. It's not yet been produced. It's still in editing, right? It's in an editing process, but we just they just sent me and Ron some final cut stuff that we we're going to get professionally edited, but we're almost there, brother. All right. And it's called? The Unsheltered with No Cash Experience. All right. Well, hopefully that'll be out and about and going around. We're also writing a book called Take the Soap, me and Mr. Brian Braddock. That was one of our takeaways when we was out on the streets as the homeless. Uh, Mr. Brian, he was out of touch with the people because although he looked homeless, he had his beard going on and his homeless clothes and his bags and stuff. He still had an executive director mentality. And so people were offering him things that he, they knew he needed. And he were turning them down because he felt like, why would I take from him or. I don't have anything to give. He thought it was like a border system out on the street. Yeah, you give me this, then I give you something back. And when he didn't take things from certain people, for instance, one guy had three bars of soap in his hand. Ironically, when we walked up to him, I'm like, 
hey, man, you're doing real good. You got three bars of soap, man. You're doing good. He said, yeah, you want one? I said, sure. Why would I turn down the soap? Took the soap. He looked at Brian and said, you want one? Brian said, nah, that's all right. You, right. I'm good. You keep it. Out of generosity. But the guy knew, you out here homeless, looking like how you looking, and you're going to turn down me giving you a bar of soap. So he resisted Brian from that moment mm. till the whole week was over. We ran into this guy going to eat at master's table. The guy would tell me where to go get other snacks from, never telling Brian. Every time Brian come around to talk with me and him talking, he would go another way. And Brian would say, why do you think he's doing me like that? I said, well, Brian, he feels a disconnect from you. He feels that something is up with you. Now, he don't know what it is, but you're doing everything that goes against what homeless people is doing. And so Brian was like, I get it. And I was like, look, my, I shared with him something my granddaddy told me. I said, when you didn't take that man's soap, I said, it, it draws suspicion with him. Yeah. I said, my granddaddy told me before, around Christmas time, people used to give me gifts that I didn't really appreciate, like some socks or something like that. And I'd be like, I don't want these socks. My granddad said, no, you don't be disrespectful like that. When people give you something out of the kindness of their heart, you take it, whether you want it or whether you can use it or not, because God blesses the cheerful giver. Mm. And when you don't receive it, it's like you indirectly blocking their blessing. Mm. All right. And Brian was like, whoa, you right. Let me take out my pigs. And that's my first takeaway right there. Take the soap. And so... We had five good takeaways that we ran away with after the week was over, but we decided to write us a book about our experiment. What were the other four? Do you remember? Take the soap, get in the game, ask questions. If you see homeless people out on the street, you ask them questions, inquire, all right? Then another one was ask yourself why. If you see them sitting somewhere that they shouldn't be or doing something that you know people don't normally do, ask yourself, why is this person doing this? All right. Well, when the book is out, folks can find out all five of them. Absolutely. All the stories that are intertwined between your experiences with Brian. On Absolutely. The but it's all magical because it all came about because he was reading a book called The Same Kind of Different as Me. You know, I've heard it said that you and I are going to be the same people five years from today, except for two things. What's that? The books we read. And the people we meet. Amen. It's all about relationships. I'm going to tell you that now. Anything else you want to tell folks? Man, anything else you want to know? I'm here. My life is an open book, brother. I think we should give them whatever they need, whatever they ask. How do people find you on online? Well, they can find me at my main, my web home is www.inocash.com. That's I-K-N-O-W-C-A-S-H.com. Instagram? Instagram is I-A-M underscore K-N-O-W underscore cash. And that's for Instagram as well as Twitter. You can find me on my Facebook fan page at no cash, K-N-O-W-C-A dollar sign H. And I also have a personal page that you can follow or send me a friend request to Beyond Artrell McCullough. And that's your real name, Beyond? B-Y-O-N. That's right. Not Beyonce. Beyond. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Beyond, for being with us. You're welcome, uh, sir. I appreciate you sharing your story with us. Thank you for having me, and it was my pleasure, brother. This is Mark Fisher with Inspiring Growth, where we inspire growth with leaders and their organizations. And as you heard today with No Cash's story, oftentimes our growth comes through struggle. Adversity. Once again, it's the homie No Cash signing off with a big tinfo. Over and out. Peace and love. 
NoCash. Hey, by the way, since this interview was recorded, NoCash has a new manager who's taking him to new heights. So we're cheering NoCash on as he inspires folks to pursue their dreams and create a music career. So thank you so much for listening to Inspiring Growth. Today's podcast was produced and edited by Dylan Garvin of Studio D Podcast Production. And if you'd like to learn more about Inspiring Growth, please go to inspiringgrowth.biz. That's inspiringgrowth.biz. If you're a president or executive director of an organization, you could actually fill out a free 56-page report. No, you don't. You don't have to do 56 pages. Yours will take about 15 minutes but I'll provide you with a free growth report as a leader. Just go to inspiringgrowth.biz. And do me one other favor, would you? Would you rate this podcast or share it or subscribe to it? As you know, today's currency is ratings. So what you have to say really matters. I'm Mark P. Fisher. Grace and peace.